You're listening to the Cliff Temple Podcast, recorded at Cliff Temple Baptist Church in Oak Cliff in Dallas, Texas. I want to welcome you back to the Cliff Temple Podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. I'm the pastor here, and I'm joined by... Trevor Jameson. I'm the teaching pastor here at Cliff Temple. We're looking at this uh, sort of made-up, mishmashed word called oikonomics. Oikos is the Greek word for house or household. And as we think about household, we are led into the foundational way that we understand the economy. And so the economy being the way that we share goods and services uh, with one another. And I think as Christians, we are imitating the household of God. We're imitating the economy of God that is engaged in this constant uh, giving and receiving of love. That giving and receiving of love uh, comes down to us in Jesus, who teaches us how to do that as church, corporately, um, and as all of the little expressions of church, micro church, and I, I argue that the family is a, is a little church. And so in those expressions, we share our gifts and our abilities, and that sharing of gifts creates an economic reality. So I want to help us as a church, um, stewarding what we do not possess, stewarding our finance, but also a stewardship has a lot to do with our time and our energy and our talents and, and even our relationships. And so this particular session is focusing a lot on the stewardship of relationships, how the relationships in our life are a gift. And um, I, I, I love to reflect upon uh, the old movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I have a hard time remembering it. To be honest. Oh, <laughs> it's been man. a while. Well, yeah. It's a Wonderful Life is a movie. It's kind of like family tradition. Every year, you know, you watch It's a Wonderful Life around Christmas. I'm always captivated by the fact that this this guy, uh, George Bailey, he he at one point in his life thinks he should go off and, and do great things, but he, he stays. He stays in the same town and has this savings and loan corporation, but he um, he basically will lend money to about anybody who he thinks can buy a house. I mean, he's a very sure. generous... Good guy, maybe okay businessman. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but, he, but he kind of em- embodies this idea of, you know, as Christians, we've got to think about economics differently. And mm-hmm. so I feel like George Bailey in the movie is thinking about economics differently, but, you know, because they're maybe not the best business people in the world. Uh, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, the whole town shows up. Everybody Bailey's helped through his business, shows up. They're emptying their purses, they're emptying their pockets, and he collects far more than he owes uh, from all the people that he helps. And so I think the the story there, in, in terms of the relationships of the oikos, of the community, and, and then as Christians of the household of God, are what make things work. We can have all the business sense in the world, we can have all the money in the world, we can have all the talent in the world, but if we have no one to share it with, what's it for? There's um, something that kind of occurs to me as you're talking about this. When you showed the clip, it's, it really has been a long time. I think I've only seen it once. And because uh, my wife gets me into all the old Christmas movies, I didn't really ever watch them growing up. But uh, it kind of strikes me as a little bit overly optimistic, maybe a little hopeful, like pie in the sky kind of movies. Some when I 
reflect on it because it's like this really nice guy who's kind of a mediocre business person as far as like the world shrewdness business um, practices go i don't know i it makes me wonder like people love this movie obviously and it's been loved for a long time is there something within the movie that we all wish we had that's maybe a kingdom of heaven principle mm-hmm. and not a kingdom of earth principle so it is pie in the sky but i think people love they must love this movie because they wished it without was that way right mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't that seem right to you? I, I mean, you know, but you hear, you see Bailey in the in the movie. He he goes to the pit of despair. I mean, he is he is suicidal um, because of this predicament that he's in. He is met by an angel, Clarence, mm-hmm. and Clarence shows him his life, shows him who his friends are, shows him what the town would be if he had never uh, made an impact. And I I feel like I I read an old sermon recently by Wallace Bassett, who served here for 48 years. And and this whole sermon is on the perception that when Moses was born and put in the bulrushes in the little basket, that that was somehow a failure because they were expecting to just raise this, this boy normally. And so it can be perceived that his own parents failed because they had to give him up and they had to put him in the bulrushes and then he get, but he, then in their failure, he gets picked up by, you know, the most powerful family around. Um, And so sometimes what we perceive as failures are in fact, the very thing that God uses. And so Bailey is quote failing but by the end of the movie, you know, we we see what would have become had he not stayed in Bedford Falls. And so uh, Jesus shows us how to invest relationally in one another. Jesus overinvested in 12 people, which in business terms looks like a failure, his overinvestment in 12 people. And how many of those 12 people were were with him at the end? So much of the kingdom of God, the economics that God is presenting to us are seen in the world's size as a failure. But it is valuable uh, for us to think in the terms of overinvesting in a few. As we think about uh, the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about uh, all of our giftedness, all of the parts of the body and, and how we take care of the parts of the body and, and the fact that, you know, a, a hand and a foot can, can say to each other, I have no use of you because we need all of these parts of the body. Just like George Bailey needed all of these friends at the end. All of these friends needed George Bailey. So, so God's economy creates this thick relationship of dependence upon one another um, where we were, we are freely able to give and receive. And I argue in the Christian community, it's giving and receiving of love that then gets to giving and receiving of, of our talents and our gifts and our abilities uh, and that sort of thing. And so as we uh, look at uh, the life of the church and we look at our relationships, we meet uh people of peace along the way, persons of peace. Paul meets Lydia and a group of women who are worshiping. They're God worshipers. They're not, uh, probably aren't Jewish, um, but they're interested in the Jewish religion. Uh, Paul comes along. They become Christian. Uh, Lydia ends up opening her whole network, all of her business relationships to Paul. Uh, That relationship and spiritual investment earns Paul a financial investment. And I think it can be argued that Lydia and and her business helped um, fund uh, much of 
of Paul's ministry. So that's a, a, a relationship that becomes a person of peace that opens up many, many other relationships uh, to Paul. And I think all of us, if, as we think about our life, we can think about people in our life that have opened up their relationships to us. Uh, it could be, you know, the server at the restaurant last night uh, who introduced us to, to somebody at the, at the table uh, next to us. Um, but it can be all sorts of ways that we see uh, relationships opened up uh, uh, to, one, uh, to one another. And if we uh, do this in the life of the church, we um, recognize in the words of, of 1 Corinthians 12 that if one of us suffers, if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. If one member of our body is honored, and we all rejoice with it. And so there's this thing that happens when one of the members in our fellowship is down, we should all feel a little down and we should all work to help that person up. Uh, same if, if one person has a great victory, we should all uh, stand and applaud and cheer um, and not uh, be caught off guard thinking, well, I wish that was me. And so when we're given over to love in our relationships, we're given over to a new way of thinking, a new way of acting. And I argue that that's a new way of looking at economics. I think uh, as you reflected on the passage from Paul about the body of Christ working together, this isn't, uh, if I remember correctly, it's not a unique set of imagery to the New Testament, no. borrowing it from the Roman government. But um, when you think about this idea of a body working together, it's not primarily first an economic principle of money that makes the church run, even though churches tend to speak more about money than relationships. But um, it's as if the scriptures are telling us, first and foremost, if we're not developing that relational capacity yep. with one another and caring for one another so that when somebody is hurting, we, we should all notice, right? If that's non-existent, then we're not functioning. Exactly. The money doesn't matter. Exactly. Is kind of how I see it. So um, it is helpful to think about this um, in a way. I question that it can be difficult for some people is what level of relation, like what kind of level, level of relationship is expected of us for, let's take Cliff Temple Baptist as an example. Like what, if I were just a lay member of Cliff Temple, what... Um, how should I be friends with everyone hmm. or should I just be at least on a name basis with everyone? How do you see this kind of playing out within a local community? It's a great question. I, and, and I'll just, I'll give some examples. I think Cliff Temple is, and, and why I'm so passionate about, you know, kind of like putting this before the church, because I think we already are doing it. And so if we just press into it a little bit more, we'll see an exponential uh, amount of increase in it. So, I mean, I was at, I'm just, you know, bragging on our, our people and the way that we do things. I was at, uh, on Sunday, uh, observing a clearly first time guests being greeted, welcomed, ushered through, introduced to multiple people, handed off, found a place to connect, uh, in a in one of our Jan term classes, and you know, no one asked anyone to do this. It just happened so naturally. Then I find out 
uh, a couple of days later that they were treated to lunch after church, that they had a great conversation after church. I, this is the kind of interdependence and thick relationship that we want to see in the body of Christ. Do we have to be best friends with everybody? Well, no, but we do uh, have the privilege of getting to see one another and be seen by one another and to recognize that every single person is a gift. Um, I, I'm going to preach on, on Sunday on the calling of, of the disciples in Matthew 4. And, you know, it's like Jesus calls them away from their business, quote, fishing business, to fish for people. Uh, so they're mo- moving from being, you know, you know a- business agents, or some might even argue agents of the Roman government who wanted them to fish, um, to agents who are seeing people, being seen by people and thereby engaged in the, the, the transformation of human lives. And so I think our um, involvement is simply to see the other person. We don't have the luxury just to walk by and ignore. And so I, I'm, I'm just hoping that we can be able to, to look in one another's eyes and, and go, you know what, Jesus is calling us all to a fish for people. Uh, how am I being enlisted in that movement? Yeah, I like the way you put that, just um, the ability to be seen. Because it reminds me of when uh, Sierra and I were going to get married. We <laughs> talked about how many of our friends got married or had kids, and then it was almost like they became an island all of a sudden and you could no longer speak to them and they disappeared and they no longer hung out with you. And so both when we got married and when we started having kids, we made conscious decisions. We literally talked about this. We said we're going to do the best we absolutely can to still build bridges with our friends, with people who are our neighbors, because, um, and, and I think this ties into the relational capital idea is that if we're not doing that, if we're not meeting new people and not building friendships, we can't, you just can't minister to people. It's just, it's just how it works. Right? Well, you can't. And then what it also does is it creates, it, it can create a, a huge level of unhealth mm-hmm. in the marriage, in the family, because it's this island that then becomes turned in on itself. And then you get into a bad situation and you're afraid to ask for help. And so then you're running into the pastor's office and this happens. When your family life is in turmoil, mm-hmm. uh, but if you agree to say no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna enlist myself as part of God's economy. I'm gonna be in thick relationship with a wider community of people who I allow to see and be seen by me. Then the family becomes not this problem that has to be solved when it's in turmoil because it's been turned in on itself on an island for twenty years, right? it actually becomes something that shows the whole world what the economy of God really is. That's what I, honestly, I'll give our church a lot of credit here because I do think I experienced this. I think you experienced this, even though people knew we were hiring you, so to speak. And, uh, and I hear it all the time that when people walk in, they, you can just kind of sense it. It's almost tangible. When you walk into a space, you can tell if the family hasn't outward facing attitude and open welcoming of course i'm not going to immediately fit in with the family but i felt welcomed and loved and um what i hear you saying is that it's just 
That's, that's essential. And we read in Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's that relational capital at work. It's submitting to one another. Hey, what do you think? Oh, yeah, what do you think? And, and then working out um, any sort of relationship together. There's some, some, I think it's an African proverb, and I may totally mangle it right now, but it's, it's something to the effect of if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go slow, go together. Right. Uh, but the slower things are the things that last. Paul goes on to just sort of use an illustration from marriage, um, speaking of, of your marriage earlier, Trevor, to sort of show us this great mystery of the way that relationships uh, happen, the way that God loves. Uh, God's love, the love of Christ for the church, is described by the Apostle Paul as a marriage. And then Paul goes on to say, and this is the great mystery of the way that God loves. And and so it's, it's um, and, and this is a metaphor, but it's it, the illustration is husbands loving their wives as they love their own bodies. This is the way that Christ loves us. He loves us as his own. And the more and more that we get pulled into that reality, uh, the more and more we see that our relationships are... Um, Agents for the softening of our hearts, um, for a, a new way of living that appeals more to the way things were at the beginning of creation before sin entered the world, and that is the way it'll be magne- magnified uh, exponentially uh, in the end um, of the way that this this beautiful kind of heavenward reality is and so it's just it's just fun to think that our relationships our simple ability to see one another and to agree not to live on an island and not to live turned in on ourselves actually can become an agent for Jesus to actually help transform a life of another person mm. and then that yeah. transforms the world right you um you know more maybe politics stuff than I do. There was a time, I think, where I was still young, but George Bush uh, was president at the time during the economic crash, and he said, stood up and said something to, akin to go spend money, right? Oh, to yeah. rescue me. That was, that was right after 9-11. And Stanley Harawas <laughs> just, he, I, I, he's written on and he said, you know, what... What do we what do we mean when we live in a country where you know you stand up and you say go spend money and that's <laughs> going to fix things? <laughs> well, okay. So to give some credit here too, is uh, I think it, there is the economic machine that requires us to spend money to keep it growing to keep it going right. And in in some ways, um, when I'm thinking of relationships in, in a time where relationships can feel so absent for people to have close friends to have people um, to know their neighbors to have that community that surrounds them it's so easy to then turn inward and so to speak take our little savings and start shoving the money under our mattress right and just hold the relationships we got and so you know just suck all the life we can get out of them but i almost wonder if the opposite needs to be true that um, god is calling us to give more Right. I had a pastor who used to um, at a church plant we were part of in Chicago. He would say marriage is the most insane thing in the world because it literally requires you to lay down your life every day for another person. And that's how you get a working uh, marriage. You don't get a working marriage by having someone who satisfies all your desires. You do not. 
you have to do the opposite. You have to give. And what you give will in turn be sown, but it has to be sacrificial. And, uh, and I think that applies across the board. Friendships, marriage, church relationships, um, relationships with people who are not believers in Christ. Like all of this has to be sacrificial love in order to kind of reap this generous relational economy that we want the kingdom of heaven to be. It can just be so tempting these days when people are so alone and that people are so quick to not listen, but ready to speak, right? (laughs) You just want to soak in that one friendship that gives you something. Well, I think we're called to just continue to give and to continue to pour out. And I think that's when we'll start to see this sort of kingdom of heaven spill over um, with this relational. Right. And and we are then given over to freedom. We recognize that our life is not for us. It is not to keep. Our money is not ours to keep. Our kids are not ours to keep. Uh, these are all uh, gifts. G-I-F-T-S. Gifts. Um, <laughs> not gifts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, not the little... <laughs> things you you know um so and and so that's why we've you know we've created this uh a report for cliff temple to kind of show uh, a a picture and tell the story of our church uh the the report is called share god's gifts every day and that's a play on our on our mission statement of making you know building everyday people and everyday missionaries and we 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 are everyday people living on mission every day and you know, so it's that it's that gift economy, and it, you know, just to go back to the the you know, spend more money thing. Well, spend more money, you know, is like a, the cajoling of a leader to tell uh, those in uh, you know under his or her authority to just spend money and to expect that to make things better. It, it like it to really make things better and to really make things sustainable. It's got to come. Um, freely. And so that's what I love about gift is that like when you give something, when you give a gift, it's given freely. And then what we get to do in the body of Christ is we also get to receive freely. And so that's something Mm -hmm. that's often Mm -hmm. harder for folks is to not just give freely, but receive freely. And then you create a truly a free market to play on a capitalist notion there. You get a, a truly free market by creating free people who actually get to choose. Okay, I'm going to accept this free gift. I'm going to accept the free gift of God's love revealed to me through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to receive this gift of my friend's time. Or I'm going to receive uh, my neighbor's offer to bring cornbread when we invite them over for dinner. Uh, Instead of saying, no, we have it all figured out, just come. No, no, no. I, I love to let people, and it's been a learning process for me because sometimes when we, we like to do things the way we like to do them, but when you um, invest in others and then you receive the gifts that they bring to the table, then that's what gives permission to live in this free free market economy under uh, the provision of God. And so I, I just um, would invite you, you know, the Cliff Temple folks who are listening to uh, once you receive uh, your copy of the report, you can also find it on our website, clifftemple.org. You can find that a report. You can read it. And then in the report, there's this series of exercises. We're actually going to practice how we share our gifts, how we reflect upon our spiritual life. Um, 
how you know who are our persons of peace in our life that that sort of thing and so you can go to clifftemple.org backslash share and you can get to that survey you can get to those questions uh, you can also read them uh, in the report but but this is just a way that we're trying to again you know give one another a gift so if i know um your faith story or if i know the ways in which you want to invest if i know the talents that you have uh then it's much easier to connect people across those gifts and abilities to create this little economic engine um and i hope we're making sense when we use uh that language uh for the simple fact that uh, God loves us and gave himself for us so that we can give ourselves uh, for others. And that's the joy of the gospel. That's the joy of being a Christian. That's the joy of following Jesus. It's just like, yay, we get to give our lives because they're not ours anyway. So thank you. Let me pray for us, and then we can uh, go about our days. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you uh, for uh, giving us uh, the ultimate gift of your life and your death. And we thank you for your glorious resurrection that calls us all to live lives as people of the resurrection. And so I, I pray, God, that this podcast would cause us all to think about uh, our relationships and the gift that they are. And I pray, God, that we would uh, sow and invest into people, people who are maybe younger than us, people that are older than us, people who are um, helping us grow in the faith, people that we can pull um, by your spirit more into uh, the life of faith. So pray um, peace over everyone listening. In your name, Jesus. Amen.